Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 59, Deep Diving with a Pro Diver. Finally, Sanj, we're here to give you know talk about your new watch alert. That's right. Yeah, yeah. No. So basically, this is not me being a professional diver whatsoever, and um, but it's me getting a a watch that is a professional dive watch. So late last year, I picked up a Zodiac Super Seawolf Pro Diver GMT. Very cool. Yeah, and it's the LHD, aka Destro. So it's meant for you know. Uh, to be worn on your right hand, but I wear it on the left um, because I'm cool like that and I want to be <laughs> special. Um, but no, no, it was a bit of a... We covered this before in one of our episodes, episode 50, I think it was. Yeah. Um, okay. But it's always caught my eye. And just one day I was just browsing. It was right before we had the most recent episode with Mike, um, who was with the Zodiac at the time. And now he's gone off to Christopher Ward. So... Congrats, Mike, by the way. Congrats, Mike. Congrats. Yeah. Now you're gonna have to buy and, a Christopher Ward next. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> might be a, a trend or a habit. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> he has the suave way of getting me into the brand and and you know, making me purchase the watch. But anyways, um I I was on the site Huckberry and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy it. And and uh it did Wait, and, huckberry, uh, hang on huckberry is a is a retailer of zodiac watches like they carry a couple or because this it's is not like a, it's not a huckberry exclusive right you can get this from zodiac directly right you can get it from zodiac directly but they also had like a partnership with huckberry um to sell this particular watch got it okay got it so it's like a co-release but you can also get it directly from zodiac well, that's the other thing. Um, if you can get it still, uh, because it was a limited release. Okay. So they only made, I think, about 2,000, around 2,282 pieces or something like that. Yeah. Uh, or it may have been less, actually. Um, and they sold They sold out? I think it may have sold out. I It was like, it was at the spur of the moment, it was available, and there was a bit of a sale going on on the site. And... On Huckberry. I was like, you know what? Just yeah, on Huckberry itself. So you got a deal. I got a deal within a deal. Within a deal. I mean, this is a weird watch, right? I mean, for people who aren't seeing it, it's it's all black, it's LHD, and it's a GMT dive watch. So there's a yeah. few quirks to it. It's it's not your run-of-the-mill kind of dive watch, but yeah, I mean, what first of all, like, you know. 30,000 feet, like what attracted you to this watch? Because it's not a conventional choice. No, and that's actually the, just going off, you know, you know me, like I like watches that have a better character, uh, a little bit different. Yeah. Um, not necessarily, you know, the big brands per se, you know. You march to um, your own drum. You're you're like, yeah. the, you're the Mr. Bean of uh, watch collecting. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people zig and I just zag, you know. <laughs> Yeah. And when we talked about it the first time um, back in episode 50, I it always caught my eye. And I was like, you know what? 
even back then at the at the price it was selling for, you were getting a lot for your um, watch. You know, this is a very professional dive watch. It's it's yeah, let's, water let's, let's, go, let's go through the stats here. Okay, so water resistant to 300 meters. Um, wow. okay. My maximum depth rating with this watch when I was wearing it was probably half a meter. This, this, um, so this is the joke that'll never end, Sanj, with you. Every time we talk dive watches, but I like it. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got a helium escape valve at the two o'clock. Oh, they do. Okay, cool. The yeah, little, the, little the Omega. serious piece of kit. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, the Omega, I think, is at the 10 o'clock because, you know, it's not an LHD, the, the Seamaster Professionals. Right, 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 right. I mean, you don't really, I mean, it's, unless you're saturation diving, you don't really need that, right? It's a little bit no. old. But no. still, it, it's a cool it's a cool little design quirk. I like it. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. Let's be real. The, the kind of diving that you and I do is basically dumpster diving, it, all right? It, it, it's the same joke. I love it, but don't <laughs> don't stop, all right? <laughs> No, I just bought it for its quirkiness, and I think there's a lot I of like characters to this watch. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very monochromatic, right? It's, it's for people who can't see it visually. It's, it's all black. Case wise, yeah, it's an all black watch. It's a DLC coated case. It's got a black bezel. Um, there, there is a little bit of orange. So on the bezel, there's a pip inverted, an orange inverted triangle with a loomed pip at the twelve o'clock. Yeah. Um, and the GMT hand is orange. And this is not a negative per se. And I think it actually goes well with this watch. The, the markers and even the bezel, the markings on the bezel, they're like faux nut. Like, you know, it's got like a cream hue to it. I see. Gotcha. But it's not as like, how should I put it? It's, it's not as strong as like, say, that Omega Seamaster Pro, the 007 version. Got which it. one was that one? Was it the No Time to Die? Is that is the that No one? Time to Die version? Yeah, that one was a bit too obvious. This one is a bit more fitting. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, if you didn't mention it to me, I wouldn't have even mentioned it to the audience um, because to me it just looks white. I, but you're yeah, right. It is, it is kind of, it's there, right? Yeah, it's there, but it's not. Uh, it's it's a very lightly creamed um, application. Yeah, and and to go on on the orange, there's also lettering 300 meters, uh, 1,000 feet in orange as well on the dial. But that's the only color there is. It's just, it's black, white, and little touches of orange. There's nothing else. Well, there's also a little bit of gray, um, and that's on the chapter ring within the dial. Um, oh, really? For the okay. GMT marking. Yeah, it's, you know, from like, say, 6 to 18. So basically 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Oh my gosh. I see it now. I see it now. I see it now. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's your daytime indicator. Yeah, exactly. That That is, I mean, that is literally so subtle. You you could easily miss it. Um, yeah. Interesting. Got it. And you know, like you and I are into tool watches or tooltastic watches and this fits the criteria, I would say. It's a bit yeah. stealthy, a bit like, you know, it is very, you know, it's very, uh, you know, quote unquote tactical, you know, without, yes. without being kind of like, a, you know, one of those gravy seals guys, you know, those guys who are like dress up as Navy seals. <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> yeah. Like the moment I put this on, I'm ready to, you know, 
go on a mission all right yeah it, it's it's not overdoing it you know you're not you're not in gravy seal territory you're still very much you know a guy with just a pretty cool watch so yeah and no, i like it a lot yeah and from far you know to because not many people know this type of watch or the specific watch you know from far away no one can tell um yeah. so it's got that security that your wrist or, you know, you won't be attacked and your watch stolen. Like, you know, what you hear about these stories of like Rolexes being, um, being held, you know, being stolen off your wrist at gunpoint. Right. It's not so, as recognizable. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, just to finish up visually, I mean, the hands, I mean, those are like shovel hands. Would you, would you call them shovel? Hands? I would say they're more shovel hands. Um, got it. And there's some subtle detail too. Like if you example the three, six, nine, and twelve, the yeah. indicators, it kind of goes well with like say the logo of the watch, the zodiac logo. Huh. And the other thing which I do appreciate is that it has no date complication. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so uh, two things. It makes it more symmetrical and yeah. cleans up the dial. Yes. And two, I don't need to worry about a you know, adjusting the date. That is interesting, actually, because I I'm wearing the Tudor Black Bay GMT today, and um, I let it die a couple of days ago, um, and then I I spun it up, and then, you know, basically the only way to advance the date is to advance by the the jumping hour. Right. There's no direct date function, right? So, I advanced it. I went one day past. I had to advance it another thirty days. And I had to do the jumping hour hand the whole time. So got it. It's really annoying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this it is reminds me true... why I don't let this watch die ever. Um, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. So the GMT on this is not a traveler's GMT, it's a collar GMT. It's a collar GMT. So I see. Okay, got it. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it before. This is a dive watch first and a GMT. I'm, I'm making a face. I know you can't see me, but I'm making a face. Yeah, you are judging beyond belief. <laughs> that's, that's our job here. That that's the point of the podcast. Yeah. The job is to judge and <laughs> rip on each other. That's right. No, I, I I don't think it's that big of a deal, and I think the collar GMT has its own function. So like whatever, you know, I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, I do like it's a skeletonized GMT hand. I think that's pretty cool too. Yes uh, and no. So the problem is is that um, yes, it's skeletonized, which is nice. It's a nice little touch, but it's not loomed, so at night you can't see what the second time zone is. Got it. Is, is that a negative? It, it's you know, if you wanted a GMT watch or a complication, probably this is like not for you. You know, like I said, dive watch first, GMT second, and to be fair, during the day in the daylight, you can easily tell what the second time zone is. I mean, you're basically complaining that you can't track the second time zone in in the middle in the middle of the night. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, like <laughs> you know, if I was a Navy SEAL <laughs> operative, I need to know the second time zone. Yeah, doing... it's a highly specific requirement. Um, I think you can <laughs> without it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the well, the other problem is if I was a Navy SEAL and I'm at night, and um this thing was loomed up it would give my coordinates right away because it's really the loom is incredible wow okay yeah that's one thing that caught my eye it's it's like you put it 10 seconds under the sun yeah and then bring it back in it's like um yeah you can use it as a flashlight wow okay 
and it, even the bezel is loom too, which is awesome. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. What what's the uh, what's the movement? We haven't talked. What what's kicking inside here? So specific to this particular watch, it uses a Soprod C125. Yeah. Uh, so Soprod is a Swiss watch uh, movement manufacturer under the Spastina Group. I personally think it's not a well-known movement manufacturer, but I'm sure it's well-known within the watch community. I've um, heard of it, but I'm not familiar with Festina Group or, you know, who these guys are. Yeah. I'm, there is an article on Caliber Corner that kind of breaks it down a little bit. Okay. Um, we can probably drop a link to that in the notes. But um, from a 30,000 feet point of view, the movement is, first of all, it's chronometer certified. I think it's ISO certified. Not sure if it's COSC certified. Uh, I initially thought it was, but it may not be. But regardless, it is regulated and it keeps time really well. That's one thing I've noticed. I've done a few, let's say, time trials. Yeah. Like, just looking at it and it it's kept time really well. Um, and how, how long is the power reserve for the movement? Do you know? Good question. I I think it was only 42 hours power reserve. So it's okay. not much. Um, it's, it's You kind of have to wear it in like after hours. a day or the next day if you haven't fully wound up. Did you um, mention it's cost certified? It is. I think it, oh, it is, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. The reason I say it is, so on Warren Wand, it's which I have a link to the show notes, it says it's cost certified. But when I was looking at it on the Zodiac, it was saying ISO something certified, which might be cost certified. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's it keeps accurate time. Yeah, um, the the case and and it it's very comfortable actually. This it, it, it's very impressive. Being a forty-two I, millimeter watch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you find the forty-two a bit big, or how do you how do you? No, no. It? I think I find it better, more comfortable than the Seiko Samurai that I have because I think that's also forty-two, right? Yes, if memory serves me right. How does it wear? Does it wear flat, or does it kind of hug your wrist? It kind of hugs the wrist. Okay. Um, I think part of it's due to the strap itself because I, it comes with a rubber strap. Okay. So it what, did you oh, what did you think of the strap? What? what so the strap? rubber strap is nice, um, like from a comfort point of view. Yeah. But to me personally, it, it's kind of like the negative of the watch. So it's comfortable. It feels good on the wrist and everything. But it to me, it doesn't fit from an aesthetic point of view, the rest of the watch. And the one gripe that I have is not necessarily the strap, it's the buckle. And the way the buckle like goes on my skin, like there's these hard corners on, let's say the sides of the buckle. Yeah. That kind of like pierce into my skin. It felt actually the first time I put it on, like, what is this? Wow, okay. I was like, yeah, this is piercing. I guess my skin has gotten used to it. Um, it looks like I have two markings on my wrist. It might not be a good thing visually <laughs> yeah. if other people saw it. Yeah. But um, but no, it's the one negative that I have. So one thing I'm going to do is either swap it out for like uh, a nice, nice strap, not necessarily a NATO. Not either... necessarily. Oh. Yeah, I might actually do like a, like a khaki strap. Like a... What do you mean, like a khaki, like a like a like a khaki, yeah, khaki, like you know, fabric strap, or maybe yeah, okay. or like um, 
maybe like a black sporty leather strap with some orange touches to it just to match I, 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 vote, I vote the khaki sailcloth i think that'd be pretty cool yeah so i'm just gonna find one and maybe swap it out i think it's a 20 millimeter lug to lug okay uh, that's helpful please it's not something silly like 19 or something yeah i think it's one of the even ones um but yeah it it's it's a well-made watch for the price that you pay for um, whether it's the original price or a discount, it's very well done. And I think, yeah, like the strap kind of lets it down. Got it. I mean, yeah, for 2200 retail, you'd expect a little bit more of a robust kind of, you know, strap or even a bracelet. I mean, at, at that price, you know. Um, well, I wouldn't mind if they threw in a NATO. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. For twenty two hundred bucks, I just throw in a NATO for sure. <laughs> yeah, because correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Did 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 you get another strap when you got the Tudor GMT? The Tudor came on steel only. There is a Tudor GMT, like one of those um, uh, Marine National style straps that I think is sold aftermarket by Tudor. Oh, okay, okay. I bought mine not from Tudor. And it's like a custom color, so uh, the red and white, red, the red and white and blue. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd have to try on this buckle and see if it's really a problem for me. But I got to say, it's a very unique and kind of like it's a it's a one off watch. Like I, I can't think of anything kind of like this, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of get the appeal. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a little bit of exclusivity. I know I was lucky to get one, and apparently it's only limited to 282 pieces. Wait, 282? So, not 2,282? No, the the price, the retail price was 2,272, but the pieces, according to one of my own and others, and if I'm not mistaken, even uh, Mike said himself, it was 282 pieces. Wow. Okay. Wow. That That's really not that many, actually. Yeah, so maybe I picked up a, a future yeah, investment. Yeah. Well, never invest in watches. That's our advice to you. Uh, no, but... I mean, I've been wearing it for like, I mean, it's not staying in the closet. It's yeah. in its box. Yeah, it's been no, worn I, I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, sidebar, but like people always say, you know, lay people who are not into watches say, what should I buy that's going to appreciate That's What's a good investment? And I always tell them, Watches are not a good investment. Like buy something you like to wear because you enjoy it, you know, because you're into it. Don't try to flip it and make a buck. You know, it just, it doesn't work that way. And it's more often than not. Yeah. yeah. you got to know the market in detail when to buy certain watches at the right time, you know? I, yeah. I mean, I, I also think it's kind of like a fool's errand, but you know, that that's just my two cents. I, I don't know. So, um, but yeah. yeah, when we meet up, I'll definitely bring it over and you can give it a it. spin. Yeah. How, how thick see is it? You can wear it. How how thick is it? Uh, I think it's only about fourteen point two. It's a little bit on the thick side, but I think it you know it being Kelsey coated in black, it's yeah, uh, it looks slimmer about, than it is. Okay, but it's more about like how does it sit on the wrist? Like, do you find a wobble because it's so high? Or no, I mean, not at all. Yeah, I mean, the, even the Black Bay GMT, you know, it sits. It's got a slab side case, but. You know, yeah, if you got a good comfortable fit on the bracelet, you, you don't feel anything. You know, it's like you're wearing... yeah, exactly. I think the best watch that we can always relate to is that Zin one four four that you have. Yeah, it I, is I'm a pretty shocked. thick watch. I was shocked when you said the thickness the other day. What was it, 15, 16 something? Yeah, it's something, something way up. It's actually more than the Fortis. 
yeah and i was like there's no way it's like such a comfortable watch but yeah it i looked it up you were right um what can i say i'm i was impressed i was impressed by you and zin for that kind of uh for that tidbit um i'm i'm flattered i'm really flattered very good what else and what else about this yeah no so it's i'm really happy with the watch the next thing i'm gonna do is swap out the straps i'm gonna start researching i'm in no rush um you never are no i am a man who takes his time and you know and then when i do find it i jump immediately this is the first watch in a long time for you it's been a couple years right it has been a while the one before this watch was actually probably the samurai wow no i did get a bulova uh, the moon watch from gifted to you yes gifted by my my brother so um that was back in 2020 i think but as far as you buying one I think it was the same. Oh, that's a good question. Actually, me executing a purchase may have been the Fortis was the last one because the Samurai was also a gift for my wife. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it was like over five years in the making. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great pickup. I think it's really unique. If you had done something a lot more pedestrian, I would have given you a hard time. But uh, no, I, I, I quite like this watch a lot. I do want to try it on when I see you next. So uh, I'll tell you what, and yeah. this is going to sound hilarious um, because it's, and, and Mike is going to love this. Um, it was either this watch or the Christopher Ward C65 chronograph. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I kid you not, like, it, it was going back and forth in my mind. Like, should I get this or this, this Christopher Ward? Now, in the future, that is probably a purchase I would love to make. The C65 chronograph. That's interesting. I, I also feel like you live kind of a weird double life, Sanj. You never tell me these things. You just kind of execute it and you just tell me after the fact. Well, no, no, um, I do tell you. I just give you like a heads up notice five minutes before it hits it's the. Like, <laughs> it's like a surprise audit or a surprise inspection. You know, he's like, all right, it's on the way. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, surprise, I'm married. <laughs> Reception's in five yeah. hours. You want to make it? Yeah. yeah, no, but no, I like this. I like this pickup a lot. I'm, I'm very supportive. I think it's a very attractive. Very I mean, attractive. I didn't get your blessing before I bought it. You that, did. That was... You did. I, I, I did bless it. No, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, very good sense. Very good. All right. So yeah, um, I think you know, uh, great job by Zodiac. I'm really happy with it. Um, continue to wear it for sure, and maybe it might make me think of being. Um, I wouldn't say downsizing, but maybe it might be time to kind of consider offloading it a piece or two what are you thinking what what comes uh, with well the one i'm thinking is maybe the hamilton khaki aviation pilot i never uh, liked that watch that the gmt you're talking about right the gmt um okay. i got it because it was on a fire sale on i think ashford back in uh black friday one year it was a great deal and you know this is my first bench in the early days of venturing you know you and i this is pre-podcast even if i'm not mistaken and yeah i picked it up i actually don't mind wearing the watch it's just that it doesn't work as a gmt it's pathetic as a gmt 
Yeah, it's it, it's a collar GMT, right? It's not very well. Large. It's not the collar GMT. It's the way they design the dial and the GMT hand. It, you can barely read this thing. Yeah, it's it's not great. Hamilton does some weird things. I, I'm not going to lie to you, um, and I don't always agree with what they do. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, they I, have I've complained about this big hits and big years. misses. I mean, first of all, you have a Hamilton that you picked up recently. Um, yes, I mean, yeah, the. What was it called again? The Hamilton khaki. Yeah, I mean these guys are so bad at naming their lines. Like honestly, somebody needs to write a letter to tell them to. Should be you. Yeah, invest in like a marketing guy or a copy guy. Come up with another name. It's the Hamilton khaki pilot pioneer mechanical chronographs. Yeah, invest in us. We will come up with the names for you. Yeah, it should just be Hamilton Fab Four or the Hamilton whatever Hodinky or the Hamilton Tropical Chrono something. I mean, Khaki Pilot Mechanical Pioneer. What does that tell you? Nothing. It's just you know, and there's they have that they have ten watches named the same thing. It, it's bizarre. That is the problem. It's not the. I mean, yeah, the naming isn't the best, but it's just that they have like fifteen models and they all sound so similar. Yeah, yeah there's no way to describe a watch. It's like I have the Hamilton Khaki Pilot mechanical i was like oh me too oh mine's a chronograph oh okay mine mine is just a pilot watch how am i supposed to know you know it's crazy it's it's i mean like the first thing you think about hamilton khaki is the field watch that's the first thing that comes to my mind right right and my watch is completely different and a chronograph also is a hamilton khaki so like why (laughs) you know it doesn't make i mean that is a great watch and a great purchase you did um and they have those they have the hits yeah, that was a good price. And and that was a, more of a retro design and Hodinkee had its own kind of input. So there, there really was no way Hamilton was really going to mess that one up. Uh, but yeah, your GMT, I, I do agree. I do feel like we shouldn't be saying this on the podcast because you could reach out to people on the podcast to buy it. <laughs> you may have just... You may have just sunk that opportunity, um, but uh, you know maybe you'll find somebody who doesn't listen to this episode. I mean, they're they're available on eBay, and um, they're yeah. being flipped. If anything, flipped or for a price that is not profitable on the seller relative to the retail price. So you know, it could be there's a few out there, and it's well priced. I would highly recommend it if you are into you know brands that are not as big as. The, the real mainstream ones, but have a history. Hamilton is part of Hamilton is part of Swatch Group. No, no, I'm sorry. I was talking about Zodiac. Oh, you're talking about Zodiac. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Zodiac is is a very unique one-off choice. Yeah. But Hamilton, yes. I mean, you should find those also on eBay. I'm not sure if they're still available retail. Um, yeah. No, I, I actually saw a couple um, of, of the Zodiacs um, the LHD Pro Divers for sale on eBay recently. Um, so there's a few circulating out there. I guess some people from the LE are are putting it back to market. Um, so they're not impossible to get, but there's not that many out there. Um, so definitely a great pickup. Uh, big fan of this cinch. All right. Yeah. So that is my summary of the watch. Great. Do we keep scores of like, do we like put like, a rating on our watches we've never done it i don't know should we i you know i've thought about that um you know in my day job i i do do ratings right for for the stuff that i review um the problem is the watches are i think you can make an argument that none of these watches are apples to apples 
it's that similar that you could make a rating that would apply. I guess among the chronographs you could, or among the dive watches you could. Um, I don't know. <laughs> what do you? What are your thoughts here? What would you rate this? Good watch question. Maybe we five? can do like a a rating swap, like because we're biased with the product that we buy, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think when we meet, I want to take a look at what you picked up, and then you can pick up. You can take a look at what I picked up, and we can compare and contrast. Um, I mean, generally, despite our many arguments, I feel generally we kind of have a confluence of opinion on a lot of watches. Like we don't, yeah, we do, we do. We don't really, you know, you make some weird stuff, make weird, weird decisions, but you know. For on the whole, you're pretty predictable. I feel like I get you. So weird to some, contrarian to others. You know, we're just unique. two guys who are into the same types of watches. <laughs> 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 All right, Sam. So uh, I guess for watch of buying, you got a Zodiac pick as well. I do have a Zodiac pick because we're kind of focusing on Zodiac and. This is a uh, the Zodiac C Chrono Automatic Chronograph. This we actually covered this. We talked. We did. This. Okay, gotcha, 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 we, gotcha. Um, this is the Reverse Panda. I like this. Nice. Yes, this is the one I personally might consider picking versus the Panda Dial. I think I seem to prefer this iteration versus the Panda. Um, but anyways, it's available on uh, LongIslandWatch.com. For Mark, 2000 bucks, bucks. Nice. 500 bucks off retail. That's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. And the beautiful, yeah, we, it, yeah. it is a beautiful watch. Um, it, I think Zodiac again came out with a, with a hit here, and it's a lot of little details done right. Yeah, yeah. I, I one thing about Zodiac, you know, you, you can say what you want, but visually. They're they're really distinctive and attractive watches, right? I mean, yeah. like, I I'm I'm a fan. Um, the one yeah, thing I do, actually, yeah, go on. W w one thing I do find distinctive with Zodiac is not necessarily their dial, but their bezels. Yes, yes. Good use they, of color. Yeah, the use of colorway on the, both on the dial and the bezel, but the way they execute the bezel, like for example, on my Pacific specific Zodiac, has got that nice shine to it. Kind of like it always harkens back to your Marine Master 200 that you have, the Seiko. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. You know, it's very, how should I put it? It feels more expensive than the It price. plays with the light. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very good. All right, Sam. Yeah, I like it. 2000 It's a good pick. pick. I like it. All right. I'm, I'm, this is one of the few episodes where you just say, you know, you're agreeing with me with everything. Basically, yeah. I, I hate to do that. It it really makes it for a boring episode, but I can't help it. You you keep picking watches that I I already on the record have said I liked, so I can't really disagree with you <laughs> as much as I'd want to. Um okay, my my watch you're buying is is a Mike Pearson special. It's a Christopher Ward. <laughs> uh <laughs> this episode is like this, like this became a sort of a Mike Pearson episode without having without Mike, Mike yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is the Christopher Ward. Uh, it just got released today. It's their Sealander GMT in 36 millimeters. Um, they've released the Sealander GMT already in, I think they had it on 40, they had a 39 and then I think they had a 41 or a 42, Sanch. Mm. 
but this is the C63 Sealander GMT 36 millimeters. Um, very attractive watch. Um, you know, they, they pick colorways that are very, you know, very, let's just say, evocative of the Rolex Explorer 2. Um, you've got the polar version. You've got the black uh, with the orange hand. Uh, it's a GMT. Um, but, you know, it's got the steel bezel. So a lot of the visual cues, you know, I think people, whether they are conscious or unconscious about it, you know, it, it's going to say Rolex Explorer 2 to them. Um, but, you know, on its own, it, it's still a very attractive watch. It's a well-executed GMT. It, even though it's got kind of Explorer 2 vibes to it, it's, uh, I don't think it hits you on the head with it necessarily, you know. Um, I do think that it's its own thing. Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts here, Sanj? It's it's a new release, so it's not really a watch of buying, here's a deal, but uh Well, I mean I'm on the Christopher Ward website and the C sixty three kind of ranges depending on the colorway and the the bezel. I mean not the bezel, sorry, the uh, the strap, whether it's a metal bracelet or a rubber strap, it goes yeah. from anywhere from a thousand bucks, thousand ninety to one thousand two hundred and seventy-five. So it's pretty affordable for what you're getting. Yeah, definitely. And I think Christopher Ward has been hitting some, you know, some releasing some good bangers, like some real hits recently. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the only one, the only thing I always think about that's Rolex Explorer Two is the white dial one. Yeah, the black one. I mean, the black Explorer Two has the same colorway too. Yeah, the... I would say the yeah, black and white. But for some reason, I think because I liked, I always liked the polar white Explorer Two. I was a polar Explorer guy. Yeah, yeah, it it really resonates with me. Um, but when I go scroll through this, I think the one I personally would take is the the Hunter Green. Yeah, that's a little bit too crazy for me. Sorry. You are a monochromatic son of a gun. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. No. Um, let me ask you this. This is obviously kind of a uh, this is a a tangent. Um, would this scratch the itch for you for a Explorer two? No, and it it's like if oh, I were okay. to get the white dial. Yeah. No. No. I think, you know, you always think about it. It's like how you had the, I mean, it's not exactly one-to-one -one comparison, but when you had the speedy auto. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, that's also how I would feel. I think. Yeah. The speedy auto and you wore it and say, great watch. It's not a speedy pro. Yeah. Guess what you did. Yeah. I ended up getting the speedy pro. Yeah. So I'm looking here. I think the Sealander GMT is 36 and 39. So they released a 39 earlier. I'm not seeing I bigger one i thought actually no they have other gmts that are sized differently they have the c60 which is 42 millimeters but i don't think they made a c63 and 42 I don't, i'm not seeing it i uh, mean 39 should be very i think that's right on the money right on the money i mean that should tell you this is a brand that's kind of like in tune with kind of its fans and like what people want you know like They've definitely heard feedback and they've incorporated it, which you got to give them credit for. Um, yeah, as, and they've done it a couple of times with the, uh, was it the Trident or whatever it's called? Um, it's it in their dive line. Sorry. They yeah. like, they recently made it slimmer. They, they did a couple of other things to it too. And, and yeah. they made it a better watch. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, speaking of Christopher Ward, the watch that I would pick up, and I, I've talked about this, it's the C65 Dartmouth series. It's their Royal Navy watch, which to me, you know, is basically an old school Omega Seamaster 300. Um, they have it in blue right now. It's a series two. I think the series one had a black. Um, oh, yes. I think we talked about this a few times. Yeah, we earlier. have. We have definitely. And it's got the big triangle on 12. That's such an attractive design. And now it's got just the Christopher Ward logo. So it doesn't have the text. It it's a really attractive. Like I've I've more than once come back to this website and just like thought about clicking and buying. Um it's you just, should. It's very cool. It's very cool. Um yeah. <laughs> what has not stopped you? No, I mean no, nothing has stopped me. I mean, it's just you know. Does it make sense to instead pick? of like investing in watches from the 70s and sending them to the hospice? Why don't you just pick <laughs> a brand new? All right, this is an update for the podcast. The Speedmaster Mark IV is back from the hospital. It is uh kicking, it's it's better than ever. It's actually still ticking two days later. So you know, uh, I'm, I'm happy to hear off the wrist two days later. Yeah, it's impressive. Um so yeah, good news. I mean, look, I'm gonna use that warranty for as long as I got it, right? So it's one year warranty. We're gonna we're gonna send it back as many times as it needs to go back. But uh, yeah, you're gonna send it back more than what you're gonna uh, than what you're gonna wear. It's... I mean, I've I've technically owned the watch for about a year, and I've technically worn it for about two weeks. So fantastic. That that's the story. That's the story, baby. Uh, we're not sorry. We'll do it again. Uh, no, we'll we'll cover that in a future uh, episode. That's gonna be kind of fun to talk about um all right Sanch. i think that's all i had for watch a buying no Street it's a great buying 36 yeah. would you buy a 36 though bit too small for me bit too small for me i think the 39 is perfect yeah I think, it, I think 36 you can't go wrong and one counterpoint to the 36 like being too small i think because the dial is so simple yeah you can still easily read it it's similar to like my seamaster pro that is a 36 but Feels bigger than 36. Yeah, I mean, actually, you know, I was actually just posted a shot of uh, Prince William, and his is a Seamaster Pro Quartz, Seamaster 300 Quartz in 36. See? He's had it, well, he had it since he was a kid, so. And I've had it for about almost 20 years. All right. 16, 17 years. You and the future King of England, you guys in the same boat, right? We have taste. <laughs> yeah, so, so, it's that's interesting. You know? Yeah, I, I, I just don't think thirty six I could work for me, work for me. Just look a little small, but thirty nine is bang on. I mean, that's perfect. I, I don't think, you know, you need to do anything there. Um, all right, Sand streaming gold. Streaming gold. All right, so the one I'm going to cover is they're well, both Boeing related. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're both Boeing. Well, we have two, and they're both Boeing related. Yeah, one is very geeky, and obviously you have this current um, Boeing seven three seven Max nine situation going on. But there's uh, yours first. Yeah, there's a a site or a channel on on YouTube, and it's done by Captain Chris Brady, and this is just not focusing on the current situation, but like, it looks like he's been making these videos and presentations for the longest time and it's talking about like in-depth detail about features of a boeing 737 it's insane but it's awesome if you're into the stuff 
cool. Like it's like, insane in a very positive way. Like it's it's incredible how much detail this guy takes so much care into putting these these um, video presentations together. Like yeah, yeah. You can't go wrong. I mean, I haven't gone through it, but like if you're into things even such as like uh, Windows, for example. How about door plugs? Door plugs. He's done a few, quite a few. <laughs> And he even shows like photos and drawings and stuff like that. It's it's yeah. really cool. Like it's yeah. such a well done yeah. um, effort by this individual. So kudos to Captain yeah. Chris Brady. He has a site and a book even. So yeah, these oh. videos look a couple years old. So this oh, right. is not related to the current Boeing seven three seven crisis. Well, no, no. I mean, the most recent one is eight days old, and he's talking about specifically to the Alaskan area. 1282. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, my oh, yeah. video is by Real Engineering, which I think is a, it was a, um, is a series you like. Uh, oh, I love that. I didn't know they yeah. released them. Yeah. It's about the questionable engineering of the 737 Max. It's uh, a whole slew of engineering issues that they go over. Um, yeah. You know, from the MCAS situation that was a couple years ago, uh, you know, we talked about that quite a bit. Um, the software that was like pitching the nose down and basically killed two planefuls worth of people and Boeing denied any knowledge about it and slow rolled it and blamed the pilots and then eventually copped up to it. And then there's a global shutdown. Um, I know that feels like ancient history, but yeah, that wasn't that long ago. Um, and then, yeah, now this door plug situation, um, you know, looks like it's potentially some shoddy work that was done. Um, so they've done some checks um, and, you know, there's more articles that have been coming out about kind of the overall kind of safety culture that's kind of declined in Boeing uh, to the point that the FAA, I think today, denied permission to expand production of the 737. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Boeing that was today. These things. Yeah. So that's pretty shocking. I mean, Boeing always was the standard, was, you know, the best of the best. Um, we're definitely seeing, uh, I don't know, decline in reputation. Uh, uh, reflecting a decline in quality, decline in whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, times are not good over there. Um, so, you know, we'll yeah, see how this plays I, I out. Would say, yeah, like, you know, safety is still, I would say, a priority, priority, like the main priority with all these aircraft manufacturers, but it's just oversight and lapse like, and you know, concentration. I'll, I'll, take the, I'll take the opposite of that. I don't know how you could say that if, you know, they have, if the current product has such a record for, you know, for example, like, there's a comparison between Airbus and the 737 Max, right? And like, how many complaints by you know the the airlines, you know, filing them to the manufacturer, comparing one model to another? I mean, it it it's like no comparison. Like it. It's... Well, it's the thing is that well, this is the interesting thing, and I hope to get more information through the media sources that are available. Like the the, the door plug, right? It's the same design as the 737 900. It's the same. So okay. is it a manufacturing thing that just occurred? Like what is different? Is it something to do specific within the 737 MAX 9 that's, you know, um, it's loosening these bolts through flight cycles? Who knows, right? But I think they're going through such detail to understand why it just came off. Like, is it just a complete, like someone just didn't put it together correctly? Or is there yeah, some underlying... I mean yeah, I, look, I, I think there's probably a technical fix to the door plug, right? Like I, that's not what I'm debating here. I think I think gorilla glue, right? Yeah, I think no, what's more, 
what's more important is kind of the totality of issues, right? I mean, there's, you know, I there's a there's another article. I'll put that in, in the closing notes as well. But you know, there. Well, talking, yeah, it's it's now it, the thing of like you know, there's a saying, right? Measure twice, cut once. Maybe they're just doing measure once, cut once, and not checking it, and just saying yeah, let it go. I mean, you know, this article is talking about uh, foreign uh, foreign objects in in engineering spaces. They were talking about complaints about uh, basically, you know. One of them was the the fuel tanks, the the diagram for the fuel tanks when they were being assembled at the plant was not specific where you'd put the sealant. So basically, you had technicians putting sealant in the wrong parts of the fuel tank. So I think a couple mm. of ago, one of the 737s basically had fuel like soaking the insulation and like, you know, you had crew and like passengers smelling fuel the whole flight. And that's because this literally like a whole section of the jet were soaked in jet fuel, like ready to go. Got it. You know, so like that's not like, you know, any one of these is an isolated issue. But like when you start looking at a program and seeing the totality of issues like this, you, you cannot say this is somebody who's taking safety as a number one concern. Something else. No, is going it's a lapse, right? In judgment. It's like people who either have not been qualified or or trained. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, or they're just more concerned the in shipping off the product. Yeah, that, you know, that's like, for example, it's not an automobile, right? These are, these are planes. They 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 they, you, it, they have to be safe to fly. If they're not, then they're gonna crash or something catastrophic is gonna happen, right? right so right. you got to take the level of concern exponentially higher than an automobile. Yeah, I, I I believe you do. I'm not sure they do. I think I think that's <laughs> the issue here, right? I mean, I'm not contesting this at all, but uh, you know, it, you know, you compare compare these guys to Airbus, it's 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 no contest, you know. So hey, I'm thinking, when did Airbus have like a constant plague of issues? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure it happened, but nothing to this scale, and not no, know, nothing I, to the scale for sure. I don't recall. Yeah, a fleet being grounded. And look, I I think I think the issue is also Boeing. Boeing is such a big fish here that they are able to wag the tail with the regulators because they're, they're literally that is the problem as well. They are a line item for the United States exports. Like that's how big of a deal they are. So like it's extremely yeah. important to right. Yeah. So you really can't. You know, the regulators don't feel empowered to really take these guys on. And yeah, I don't think anybody in their right mind would say Boeing is putting safety first. The yeah, I mean, for example, right, like with the regulation, you know, when the 747 was being put together for the first time, there was no such thing that con was conceived, right? Like they had to make up um, standard practices and certifications with the regulators because like they had no clue. Like, wh what are we going to certify? How do you certify this thing? Yeah, um, That's a different story in versus, you know, just mm -hmm. doing shoddy paperwork and getting it self-regulated and saying okay you pass yeah yeah of course yeah i mean the boeing also fired uh or let laid off their quality assurance guys like they i think they let go like 900 of them something like that some ridiculous number uh, in a round of layoffs and what they were going to do is rely on software to basically do the quality checks so you know always the software yeah i mean this is a company that's pinching pennies here and it's going to cost people's lives. It has already cost people's lives. No, no. What I was trying to say, what I was trying to refer is it, you see it in the automotive space. If, if you can fix a problem or patch a problem with software, that's the most common thing you don't want to, it's like, 
okay, is it really a hardware problem? Yeah. Can we deal it with software? Oh, maybe. All right. Yeah. You're I taking mean, the software you, approach. You're thinking like you're thinking like an engineer, Sanch. You're thinking of the problem and thinking of solving the problem. I'm not thinking of the problem. I'm thinking of the process, right? I'm thinking of like, should you be firing quality assurance guys in the first place? No. Software can do it or not. Should there be a person going and doing this? I would say yes, right? Yeah, but, yeah. For yeah. especially in it's not profitable product. to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, they always talk about like how the culture was changed um, when McDonald they did Douglas. the reverse. Yes, with McDonald Douglas, it was a reverse takeover, right? It was a guy Stone Cipher, right? He was the executive that came in from McDonald Douglas. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's been it's been disastrous, you know. Um, not, and not you know good. these guys made you know even to this day like the seven eighty seven is an incredible plane and like absolutely people yeah. don't realize how amazing technology that was in, in that specific aircraft. Like, yeah, it has a whole slew of problems, but so did the Airbus A380. But when you look at it and it's like, wow, this is incredible. It's like next generation stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, well, what happened here? <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, it's pinching pennies. That's what I suspect. But anyway, both of these videos are good. Uh, check them both out. Uh, but uh, yeah, questionable engineering. That, that's the that's the dirt that you want to see. Um, and then if you're a geek like me, uh, the other one, you know, the 737. Yeah, if you if you want to learn about the switches of the cockpit, you can do that too. Yeah, yes. I, I do want to know about the switches. If, some, <laughs> I'm one, if I was on a 737 plane and there was no other pilot, I might have a chance of flying it. With my limited flight simulator experience, uh, and and this channel, I can make it. All I'll say is, do not sit next to the walls with the door <laughs> plug. All right. If if you make it that far, fine. You might be able to go up and play some switches. <laughs> <laughs> We've got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> hey man, at least I'll have I'll probably have the zodiac with me now. You know, knowing the different time yeah. zones. While you're ejected over the Atlantic, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, having said that. <laughs> No. Thanks again. Oh, uh, I enjoy planes. I love commercial aviation. It's a little apart from cars, commercial aviation is something I really like learning about. So sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as you don't die in the process. Thanks no. again for joining us for another episode <laughs> of the Land Jam podcast. Uh like, subscribe, uh, review us. Uh we've had some pretty interesting reviews recently on I on the uh I Apple podcast app, uh, pretty funny. Uh, so keep them coming. Uh, and until next time, we've got a bunch of contact coming. So we're looking forward to uh, seeing you guys again.